Listen, buddy, if you're looking for the Diet Frozen Yogurt Bar, it went out of business last summer. Actually, I'm looking for a Batman number 14. Welcome to the Coffee and Comics Podcast. I'm your host, the caffeinated Clinton Robison. And today, I'm not looking at a specific issue, but a specific character. That's right, folks. The time has come. We're going to talk about Triumph. Triumph first appeared in Justice League America number 92 back in September of 1994 and was created by Brian Augustine, Mark Wade, and Howard Porter though the character is primarily associated with writer Christopher Priest. Triumph was introduced as a character that had accompanied the heroes who would eventually form the Justice League on their first mission, but got lost in time for ten years. When he reappeared, he was completely forgotten. Initially, he was thought to be an anomaly associated with the Zero Hour event, but after Zero Hour, the new timeline showed that Triumph did in fact exist. After Zero Hour, Triumph was featured in a story in Showcase 94, his own self-titled miniseries, and Justice League Task Force, where he was one of Martian Manhunter's heroes in training alongside Gypsy, the Ray, and Elrond in Despero's body. Please don't ask about that last part. He was later shown in JLA as a villain, and in an alternate reality in Trinity as a major hero. With a character like this, I can't talk about him alone, so I've brought in a little bit of help. And that help comes in the form of Doug Zavisha. Welcome to the podcast, Doug. Happy to be here. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm great. Get to talk triumph. See, what could be better, talking triumph? Oh, well, I can think of a couple dozen characters, but But triumph isn't all bad. Okay, well, what was your introduction to Triumph? Uh, I was there at the beginning. Um, I was, when when Triumph was introduced in 94, I think I had just finished college and was looking for the, the first gig, the first real job. And therefore, my budget for comics was kind of narrow. So I tried to maximize what I was doing and, and bought team comics. And among those team comics were the Justice League books. And at the time, there were three books, uh, Justice League America, Justice League International, and Justice League Task Force. And, you know, the interest waned with each of those a little bit on character, a little bit on creator. Um, but then this storyline came along titled The Return of a Hero. And that's where Triumph came in, as you as you already touched on, you know, created by uh, Wade and Augustine, but most Wade Augustine and Porter, sorry, Howard, and most most closely associated with Christopher Priest. So 
priest wrote all three parts and I got all three parts and I still have the copies of all three parts, even though I've also bought them digitally, but triumph was there for the, from the beginning for me. And that's actually triumph Ray Elron. They elevated justice league task force to be my favorite of the three books at the time. See, I'm kind of with you. I actually really like justice league task force more than the others. Although it took me buying the back issues to really figure that out. All right. I I was a teenager at the time, so I bought Extreme Justice. <laughs> for, yes. For about five issues, and then I said <laughs> that was enough. <laughs> I actually have a page from Extreme Justice of original art. Really? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm a uh, this may or may not be known, but I'm a huge Firestorm fan too. Um, and I've got a few pages of Firestorm's appearances, like one from, oh gosh, I want to say it's issue 24, but I'm probably wrong where he's fighting Black Bison. I know Shag is screaming at whatever he's screaming at. Right now. <laughs> and uh, and then that page from Extreme Justice, uh, I want to say number five, it's one of the Firestorm Returns ones, and it's actually got like tracing paper overlays for all the color holds. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, like you, I was, well, I was a little bit older than a teenager, but tight budget, and I did get Extreme Justice, and I got all the issues of that series. I didn't drop it after five. But uh, Task Force was the one that really got me. Um, at the time, I was also reading Priest Ray, and that book is just something else. I mean, it is phenomenal. It, it should be another podcast for another time. And if you want, I could come back and talk that some other time, or maybe you want to talk it with somebody else. Oh, no, but I, it, I would definitely love to talk to some Ray. Okay. So getting back to triumph. Well, I mean, before we go any further, we, we got to talk the look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I, I really got the feeling that was where a lot of, a, a lot of the dislike came from because he was, somehow this mix of Silver Age and 90s all in one. Yes. You know, he yeah. had these the single colored union suit but decked out with gold armor. Well, on top of it being a single color union suit, it was teal. Yeah. Like is there another color that's more 90s than teal? <laughs> Cuz look at the teams that came into whatever leagues at that point or that redid their uniforms during the 90s, like the Detroit Pistons, who have always been red, white, and blue, they went to teal, purple, and black during the 90s. So, you know, like you said, it was a, a perfect mix of Silver Age sensibilities, you know, sleek and trim and shiny and loud, but then it was also 90s, big shoulder pads and metal gauntlets and teal. It was like the let's add armor but in the most minimal ways to make it 90s armor. Exactly. At one point, didn't he have a helmet? Am I misremembering? I don't remember him having a helmet, but I could be wrong. Maybe it was some alternate appearance or something, but I, I recall him also having a gold helmet to match his gold shoulder harness yoke thing. But, but of course, also in the 90s, coloring wasn't what it is now. <laughs> That's true. So gold was bright yellow, you know. So mm -hmm. if it was, if if you could see it now, it'd probably have more of a metallic. Or not if you could see it now, but 
if it were done now, it would probably have more of a metallic, overly rendered sheen to it. Or if it was an action figure, it would definitely be gold, I think. Yeah. Not sure how that would exactly meld with teal, but or maybe it's closer to an aquamarine, but I'm just going to keep calling it teal. <laughs> yeah, but that was a look, for yeah. sure. He got an upgrade, though, in the task force. That's true. He got a jacket. Yep. <laughs> a jacket and uh, a red costume, because they all went red and jacketed. Which, how does that uh, parallel to the Avengers jackets? I was just going to bring that up. That The Avengers jackets came first, I think. Okay. Yeah, the Avengers jackets were around in, like, 92, 93. All right, and this was 94, right? Yeah. Yeah, all right. Yeah, that that era gets a little murky for me as far as details go, because there were things that I saw that I didn't buy, things that I bought that I read and reread, and, uh, you know, through it all, there was Triumph, part of the Justice League Task Force. (laughs) And as you mentioned, he was set up to be a hero. He had he had worked with the original, uh, and that that was some air quotes for those of you who can't imagine air quotes. Uh, <laughs> the original Justice League. So he's fighting alongside uh, Black Canary, Aquaman, and this is the post-crisis, pre-whatever brought Wonder Woman back to the origins of the Justice League, Justice League, and it's also pre-Grant Morrison. And it's also kind of, sort of, almost parallel with Zero Hour. As you mentioned mm-hmm. in the intro, he was conceived, or not conceived, but um, believed to possibly be part of the Zero Hour calamity or uh, influence and had to prove himself beyond that. And so that's where he wound up joining the Justice League Task Force. But what had happened was he wound, winds up being kind of a blend of Sentry from Marvel in the the powers as you need them and Captain America in the man out of time. And what Christopher Priest has said, and I forget which side I saw this on, was that Triumph was basically the man with the plan and everyone hated him because he had that plan. And then as it turns out, it wasn't just everyone in the story. It was everyone in DC's offices or in fandom writing in letters triumph wasn't wasn't really liked yeah i've read that on uh, different sites too that it, they actually started with the idea that he would end up being like this you know smiling happy 60s kind of guy and they got so many negative responses that they decided to make the other characters dislike him too yeah yeah go ahead and make him the jerk then that he is Instead of the the Barry Allen that didn't exist at that time. (laughs) I'm glad you brought up Sentry, not just as the powers, but as the actual concept of hero out of time. And, you know, literally the entire concept of did he really exist? You know, have we forgotten the character or, you know, is he somebody new or, or, or. Right. You know, Marvel did the the exact same concept with Sentry about ten years later. You know, I, I'm not sure on Sentry's exact first appearance. It may have been sooner, but Sentry was actually uh, 2000, September 2000, so okay. almost six years exactly after Triumph. Okay, yeah, I mean they did the the same concept, and somehow it worked. And you you can't tell me it's just the Marvel way. 
No, you can't. But isn't that a great answer? Because <laughs> it seems like a lot of Marvel's best ideas are them taking a look at what DC has done and going, you know what? We could do that a little bit better or we could do that different. And somehow they pull it off in a better way. You know, uh, team up books. Um, you know, it's failing me right now, but I've seen it more than once. Crossovers. I mean, essentially, Marvel, what, Secret Wars may be predated Crisis, but then Crisis is kind of DC's last really big, really good crossover. They've had others, sure, but until, or through the 90s, Marvel seemed to really own the whole crossover mm -hmm. concept with their mutant books and their Avengers books and everything else, and that led to franchises of books, which is at the time that DC is doing Justice League with Triumph. That's what DC is trying to do. They're trying to spin more franchises or build a franchise out of something which Marvel's already done. But neither here nor there. Like you said, it is it can't be fully attributed to the Marvel way, but it can be a little bit. I know I've read it at least one place before. But uh you know, going back to the Triumph was disliked. Uh I've I know somebody has said it that uh, Christopher Priest intended to write Triumph as a gay character. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, I've I've read that interview too. Um, sorry, I, I didn't mean to jump on it there or cut you off, but go ahead. No, no, you're fine. Uh, it's just uh, it seemed kind of odd that you know, you know, it's not like it was something that was completely unheard of at the time, to have gay characters in comics. But, I mean, do you remember anything in the actual stories of Triumph being a gay character? Not per se, no. Um, but what I do recall from, from an interview with Priest was that he never really found the the timing or the pacing to be appropriate to give the subject of a character like Triumph being gay, the appropriate spotlight that it deserved. Uh, he didn't want to pigeonhole it in as part of another subplot. He wanted to give it room to grow and space to be. But like you said, it, it never really had any prominence. And, and if you look at Triumph's existence, I mean, he was really only around for, what, two years? About before that, he, yeah. Yeah, before he kind of faded off. And his prominent role in, in Justice League Task Force, but then with Priest writing both that and Ray, he carried characters over between the two pretty heavily. And uh, more than not, I would say Priest leveraged Justice League Task Force to extend Ray's story than to bring anyone else's story into Ray's. But that said, you know, like, as, as you pointed out, there isn't really anywhere where it's leaned into or it's uh, expanded upon that triumph is truly, you know, or is gay um, other than that was our intent. And they're all, you know, they're all uh, priest has said that kind of retroactively. I mean, I suppose you could see it as far as like, he's the outsider character and, you know, certain characters have a distrust of him or a dislike of him without really knowing why they dislike him. 
Yeah. But I, I, and I think what, what, what happened there was maybe their intent on triumph got derailed initially. Cause as you mentioned, he wasn't liked, you know, as a character externally and internally, then they chose to reflect that. So, you know, the, the building of the character, the constructing of his personality was, uh, was shortchanged. Well, if you really want to read, read really into it at the end of his first appearance, who is the one member of the Justice League who is actually willing to be friends with Triumph? Do you remember? Um, trying to, trying to, trying to remember without referencing, but I'm going to cheat and reference. But go ahead. Tasmanian Devil is. You're right. Yeah, the You're one right. that's willing to open, you know, accept him. And Tasmanian yep. Devil was the openly gay character in Justice League at the time. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> the um, the creative teams on the first three parts there, the Return of the Hero, mm-hmm. the artists. I think it's worth noting that uh, you've got some pretty heavy hitters there. You had Luke Ross drawing Triumph's absolute first appearance in JLA number 92. And Luke Ross is still drawn today. I think he's... Is he doing some of the Star Wars stuff? Like the adaptations? Uh, I know he did a, a run on Jonah Hex, or Hex, or All-Star Western, or whichever title. But I, I seem to recall seeing his name with some of the, the Star Wars Rogue One uh, Force Awakens adaptations. Maybe I'm a little bit off with my Rosses, but and then second chapter was by Greg LaRock. And then the third was Phil Jimenez. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's that's no slouch right there. <laughs> Any of those three, honestly. Especially at the time, uh, LaRock was, what, he'd just come off Flash, maybe? Then on top of all that, you've got Zero Hour right behind it with Dan Jerkins. Right. Yeah. This character was not set up to fail. No, he wasn't. <laughs> And yet, <laughs> and yet, <laughs> there it is. Not only did he fail, but he failed hard. I would think at, at this point, he's probably better known as a villain than a hero. Well, funny you should mention that. Uh, have you seen the, um, the uh, Batman and Harley Quinn movie? No. Triumph gets name dropped in it. Seriously. There's a part where uh, Booster Gold calls down from the Watchtower because of Batman's alert. And, you know, all the big name heroes are off actually having real adventures. And he starts going through the list of everybody that's up at the Watchtower that they could send down to help. And it's it's like the complete list of 90s characters that nobody <laughs> wants. You know, Bloodwinds mentioned, Triumph. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, because at the time Harley Quinn was created in the the animated series, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the the parallel being drawn there. Pretty much. Wow. That, and, I mean, you know, it's Booster, so of course you got to have all the other heroes that nobody wants to hang out with. The also rans. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So. um is is now a good time to talk about the shift? 
Yes, definitely. All right. So Triumph, well, anchored. Triumph was part of Justice League Task Force. He was one of, as you mentioned, four or five heavy hitters. Well, heavy hitters for that team, at least. Uh, Justice League Task Force was like a um, a Justice League development squad that was led by Martian Manhunter. And it had started off as kind of a special ops team with characters being drawn in. Issue one, I think, had Gypsy and Aquaman, Nightwing, Martian Manhunter, and Bronze Tiger. Maybe Flash? Sounds right. And as as Justice League Task Force progressed, the team would alternate. And then around the time that Triumph was introduced, uh, his second appearance being in Justice League Task Force number 16, uh, which actually leads more into Justice League International and Justice League Task Force. But around that time, they were... Uh, DC was shoring up the lineup of Justice League Task Force. They were finding that things were not really panning out with this rotating cast. It wasn't selling as great as they expected just based on the Justice League name. And so they had given the book kind of a uh, a start as a development league, or not a start, but altered it to be a development league. And it had Gypsy, the Ray, um, Elrond in... Sparrow's body, and then Triumph would eventually join as well. And through the course of the remaining issues, damage would appear, and that not the damage that's going to be coming up in comics spinning out of Dark Knight's Metal, but uh, Grant Emerson damage. And I think Impulse even had an appearance. And then, like I said, the, the Justice League Task Force book really tied tightly to the Ray, where a character named Miss Tech was also introduced, and she, uh, well, I guess I just kind of spoiled a 20-year-old story there. <laughs> she was also a member of Justice League Task Force eventually. Yeah, and it took, what, four issues, five issues, before anybody knew that she was a she? Yeah, and and who discovered it? Triumph. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it, it's been probably 10 yeah. years since I've read those issues. Oh, no, no, no. It, it, I actually was going back through them in preparation for this. And, and there's actually kind of a funny scene where triumph walks in on her in the bathroom and he's, he's thinking he's dealing with a guy and opens the door and there's a young lady and he's like, Oh, <laughs> just kind of backs out. And I don't want to spoil the, the actual dialogue, but it's handled kind of funny. Uh, priest definitely had fun making uh, justice league task force lighthearted, despite everything that was packed into it. Um, which really kind of makes me wonder why he didn't angle a little more or try a little harder to give us the full story of Triumph uh, being being gay. So yeah, you kind of got the. I'm oh, sorry, I don't mean to cut you. No, off. no, go ahead, go ahead. You kind of get the feeling that uh, Justice League Task Force was essentially going to be the next New Teen Titans. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was. Or, maybe drop the team part and be the new Titans. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean though. It, yep. it, it would yep. be the, the book that kind of dealt with issues while it still dealt with heroics and kept the humor. Yes. Yeah. And with, uh, with justice league task force and the, the timing that was going on, um, one of the tie-ins that came up was underworld unleashed. 
and with Underworld Unleashed, Neron. We doing that the right pronunciation? Yeah. You think? All right. Uh, that's the way I always say it was Neron. Yeah, Neron had made a, one of his offers and extended a candle to the Ray, but that didn't play out, and the offer wound up in Triumph's lap, and that is what brings about the fall of Triumph from being a hero. Through the most dumb luck version of a story ever. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you take that one if you want. Oh my god. <laughs> so, for those who haven't read it, uh, Neron's offer is that if uh, Triumph lights the candle, he can go back, have the ten years that he lost, and be a hero. And through this time, he keeps wrestling with the issue you know should he or shouldn't he this goes on for three or four issues in the book you know it it's kind of one of those things i think priest knew the book was canceled so you know he tried to wrap it up as quickly as possible but you know through different things that have happened triumph finally decides no he's actually become a hero in his own right the way that he probably should have instead of the way he wanted to. So he rejects the offer. But he's still, right. you know, he's still off the team because of, isn't it because he, he like talks back to the Martian Manhunter? He actually fought him. Okay, yeah. There was an issue that uh, gave about eight, nine pages to the two of them just beating the heck out of each other. But anyway, you know, uh, the Ray and Gypsy come across the candle, and for the dumbest reason of all, they just decide to light it in memorial to Triumph. No, it's actually a memorial to Mystic. Is it? Okay. Yeah, Ray had constructed a, um, uh, a statue of Mystic, and then uh, Gypsy interprets it as. Well, maybe Will Triumph was bringing the candle to to add to the the tribute. So she puts it on the statue and kind of goads Ray into lighting it. And and like you said, it, it's just kind of happenstance, yeah. and we don't actually see Ray light it. But what we do see then is the whole scene of that issue of Triumph coming back to the task force and trying to make good. Except he's no longer there. Yeah. It's kind of a it's a wonderful life type story where Triumph takes on the role of George Bailey and the townsfolk of you know, Pottersville at that point are Justice League Task Force. And the rest of the other Justice mm -hmm. League teams. And the shame of it is in that issue up to that point, Triumph was kind of repairing things and, and making inroads to rejoin the team. But then, of course, you know, he, he gets to see that pretty much nothing has changed with him not being there. So right. Th so then he gets all angsty again. And when we do see him, you know, for, I want to, that rough guess, about four, four or five years later in the JLA run, he's visibly older because he's had those 10 years and he's 
mad at the world. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's Grant Morrison's JLA run, and it's about the about the third year, uh, or entering into the third year of Morrison's run. Yeah, uh, and Crisis Times Five isn't, isn't that the name of the story? Yes, sir. Yep, and it not only brings back Triumph, it brings back the Task Force, and it it brings in the Justice Society, who at that point had just relaunched into their title, and it also goes into the fifth dimensional entities. Yeah, that's and even brings in Captain Marvel. Yep. And it's been a long time since I've read that, so I'm I'm kind of itching to dust that one off and get back into it. If I remember right. Huh. Like I'm like you, I haven't read that one in a long time. But if I remember right, doesn't Triumph have like a, a little bit more armor to his costume, and it's kind of a weathered gray instead of gold? Yes, sir. Yep. And it's got a big T on it too. I think. Yeah, I do remember the big T. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then uh, that story ends, and pretty much that's the end of Triumph. Yep. Until, as you mentioned. He pops up in Trinity, and I'll let you take that one because I actually haven't read Trinity. I haven't either. That that little snippet was from Wikipedia, I'm afraid. All right, <laughs> but I yeah, I do know that Triumph, Tomorrow Woman, and oh, who was the third one? I really cannot remember right now. It's not every, everybody listening is yelling at me because they all know. Well, rather than yelling at us, maybe they should email you, right? Well, I'm sure they will. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, Triumph, Tomorrow Woman, and the third one uh, are the replacement tr- trinity in the alternate universe. And, you know, Triumph actually realizes uh, that they aren't supposed to exist, that he's supposed to be dead, Tomorrow Woman's supposed to be dead. Uh, the third one is not someone who's supposed to be dead, if I remember right. But was it was it Gangbuster? <laughs> that would be wonderful, but I don't think so. I don't know why that's popping into my head, but I, for some reason, thought it was. So no. So I know we've kind of danced around Will's powers in all of this, but there's a reason for that. Yep. According to the description of his powers, he is supposed to have mastery over the electromagnetic fields. <laughs> he can manipulate electromagnetic fields. And if you go by his powers, that's everything from using energy for flight, using it as blasts, or even altering his hair color. Not to mention, he is completely invulnerable so long as he knows he's being attacked. Aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the few things that I remember from the miniseries that they specifically point out. He he won't get hurt if he knows he's going to be attacked. Yeah, that, that miniseries was, uh, was written by Priest. And the I find it interesting that it was drawn by Mike Miller, um, say what you will about what I'm going to discuss after this, but Miller's craft is amazing. He's he's a brilliant artist, but he's also an, a fairly uh, 
how to put this delicately. Fairly loud homophobe. And for a character that was gay to have this guy drawing him, that that's interesting. You know, it's almost, it's ironic indeed. I wonder if he knew the character was supposed to be gay at the time. I don't know. Don't know. See, I kind of figured if there was anywhere they were going to bring that up, it would have been in the mini. Yeah. But no, because they had they had a little more room. But from what I remember of the mini, it was dense. Yeah. It was not an easy breezy read. It was four issues and it was it was thick. There weren't a whole lot of splash pages and there wasn't anywhere where there was a light amount of dialogue. It was it was a dense, thick read that went into the character of Will McIntyre and his upbringing. Like you said, if there's anywhere to give him the room to develop him as a person, it's there. Yeah, but instead, for those who didn't read the mini, a lot of Will's past has to do with daddy issues of his dad being a convicted criminal. Right. And in the mini, we uh, get a character called Dr. Cobalt, and pardon my ignorance, but I'm not sure if he existed prior to the mini. But his history stretches back to involve our man. See, Dr. Cobalt's actually a character I would love to have seen more of. That's just a fun name. Oh, yeah. And Priest just has, I mean, he's got ideas like that that still come out today. You know, Dr. Icon over in Deathstroke right now. A similar type of mm-hmm. concept, but uh, tailored to Deathstroke as a character and to be a foil for Deathstroke. And a character who's gay. Yeah, there you go. Yep. <laughs> that actually be a great place for Priest to bring Triumph back. Because it would kind of fit the whole notion of a character who everyone hates because, well, he's right. Or he has a plan. Or he'd be a great adversary for Deathstroke. But I'm not Priest, so what do I know? Yeah. <laughs> now, did you uh, read his showcase appearance at all? No, I didn't. Actually, with your introduction, I, I hadn't realized he had had a showcase appearance. Yeah, it's one of the the little eight-page pack-ups. Okay. I really need, should have done better research. You know, I I didn't read that one. And not since, since I read everything else. But to the best of my uh, recollection, pretty much, I mean, it's just, you know, he stops a bank robbery. But there's a, a woman involved that he knew back before he disappeared. But she doesn't remember him. Okay. And it the story itself kind of implies that he had possible romantic feelings for her. Which doesn't jive with the whole, you know, we're writing this character to be gay at all. All right unless this was supposed to kind of lead toward maybe a realization that he's gay. Hmm. All right. You know, I mean, it's, it's a simple story. It's basic, you know, superhero fare as far as the bank robbery and all that. But, you know, it, it just seemed kind of odd, a little bit of standout to me that if this is a character that we're supposed to be writing as gay, just, 
you know, does the story really reflect on it? Does it not? And I, I can't remember if it's supposed to lead into the many or if it's supposed to lead into task force appearances. Gotcha. Because, you know, they were both kind of running concurrently. Right. Yeah, and actually the end of the mini says, you know, continue following Triumph in Justice League Task Force. Which it should be noted that in the mini, Triumph does have his own team, and they make a point of mentioning that he refuses to get close to any of them. You know, they're all close with each other, but he refuses to get close to them. And, you know, Triumph had a lot of issues. Yeah, he did. Not like issues, you know, not issues as in appearances. I mean, he had issues. Part of which led to him being, you know, almost a perfect villain for the JLA. But since New 52, which, you know, is stretching back quite a ways at this point, I don't think we've seen or really gotten mention of Triumph in the DC universe. Not that I know of, other than, you know, the the one-off joke in Batman and Harley Quinn. That That's the most recent thing I can think of. Anything else? Uh, Trinity, that was probably the most recent, and even then that was probably stretching for anybody to remember who he was. Right, and that was pre-New 52, too. Yep. So. Huh. Oh, I think we've pretty much summed up Triumph. That there's not a whole lot to talk about in a, for a character who was around for only about two years. Who certainly deserves more. I don't know that I would buy an entire mini, but I'd like to see a Triumph one-shot. A one-shot or an appearance, maybe a, a storyline in... Wait a minute. Priest is writing Justice League right now, isn't he? Hey... And I'm sure he listens to this, so <laughs> we just helped you out there, Mr. Yep. Priest. Have well, at it. <laughs> well, and if nothing else, you know, Bendis is coming to D.C. Well, by the time <laughs> this drops, Bendis will be at D.C. and writing all sorts of things. So, you know, yeah. I, I could see him, like, dropping Triumph into the background of a scene and not <laughs> having any dialogue or even anybody acknowledging that he is there. Bendis at DC is a podcast for another time, too, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. That's something I see happening as, like, a, about a year from now, if everybody gets together, and it's just like, okay, Bendis one year later. Evaluate, discuss. Unless you have something else to add, I think that is our triumph. I don't think I can find anything more to add about triumph. I think we've <laughs> uh, pretty well drained that well. Yep. All right, well, I will take this opportunity to take a break and play a podcast. Yeah, one of those things, a podcast promo. And don't go anywhere, Doug, because you're going to be in the hot seat when we come back. Oh. My name is Michael Bailey, and I am a terrible geek. I don't watch Doctor Who. I don't care for anime. I've never seen any of the Harry Potter films, much less read the books. I like Star Wars and Star Trek okay, but I've never really ventured far into the extended universes of either property. Hell, I have never even watched a single episode of The Walking Dead. So what do I like? Comic books. I've been reading and collecting comic books since 1987, and I've been a fan of superheroes for as long as I can remember. Some would consider this a hobby. 
but I prefer to look at it as what it truly is, a crippling addiction that I may never recover from. To deal with this borderline personality disorder, I started a podcast in 2007 called Views from the Long Rocks. Every two weeks, or so, depending on real life, I pick a particular series or issue or character or whatever to talk about, and then I... Well, well, I talk about them, because that's kind of the point of a podcast. Sometimes I'm alone. Sometimes I have a guest, like my semi-regular co-host, The Irredeemable Shag, or my other semi-regular co-host, Thomas DJ, or with another friend from the podcasting world. The show is located at www.viewsfromthelongbox.com, and from there you can find the iTunes link, the email address, as well as the backlog of episodes. Views from the Long Box. A podcast about comics, or a desperate cry for help? You decide. Every other Tuesday, or so, depending on real life, at www.viewsfromthelongbox.com. All right, we are back. And Doug, since you are a first-time guest on this show, there is a small quiz that you must take. I did not study for this. No one ever does. <laughs> All right. Don't worry. There are no wrong answers. There are just incorrect ones. <laughs> Fair enough. Question one. What do you consider your beverage of choice? Oh, as much as I hate to say it right now, it's Mountain Dew. And it's not the diet stuff, Shag. It's the real deal. Full on sugar, tooth rot and everything. Question number two, Betty or Veronica? Ooh, um, Veronica. No real reason, just (laughs) because. Because that's where Archie's at this issue. (laughs) There you go, yep. (laughs) Do you prefer Wolfman Perez Titans or Claremont Burn X-Men? Ooh, ow, ow. Oh, gosh. You know, I'm going to go with Wolfman Perez Titans just because gorgeous George love his stuff. (laughs) Can't say no to that. Which comic book character or series is most in need of an animated or live action adaptation? The Doom Patrol. No hesitation. Doom Patrol all the way. Would you do it animated or live action? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't it be both? <laughs> exactly. To be quite honest with you, Doom Patrol just seems like a property, and I know I've said this before, that is just set to be something other than a comic book. Um, I, I, I think technology's caught up with it where it could be live action, but I do honestly think that the animated, and if you, if you look at those, uh, gosh, what were the, those DC shorts? Oh, um I know what you're talking that, that, about. That used to be between uh, shows on Cartoon Network. DC, there was a series of Doom uh, Patrol DC episodes. Nation. And, yes. Yes. There's like three or four Doom Patrol episodes, and they are amazing. And if they could do a whole series of that, please. Please do. A villain most in need of decaf. Oh, the Joker. It's a little high strung there. Who is the best super pet? You know, you... Mm, wow. I was I was just gonna say crypto just out of default because you gotta love the dogs, but 
can I say Captain Carrot? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not technically a super pet, but I no, will. No, he's not. But... I'll allow it just because I like this answer. Do you think Mighty Mouse can beat up the George Reeves Superman? No, no. Superman's a real guy. <laughs> <laughs> he could fight, though. <laughs> yes, it would be. <laughs> yep. <laughs> all righty. And now, the, the toughest question of all. Would you choose a lifetime supply of 25-cent comics, but Doctor Doom has a grudge against you? Or... Comics are highly expensive, but Doctor Doom owes you a favor. Oh, lifetime supply of comics. Then I'd have something in common with uh, Reed Richards and Ben Grimm, right? <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Alrighty, Doug. Well, I believe that about does it. If Alrighty, you would Clint. be so kind as to tell everyone on the internet where they can find you on the internet. Uh, well, I write for Comicosity, that is uh, comicosity.com, uh, we're a wonderful little comic book site that's just about comic books. Yeah, no TV news, no uh, action figures, none of that other stuff there. And I've also uh, done some other writing for other places, including the Hawkman Companion for Tomorrow's Publishing. And finally, you can follow me on Twitter at DZ. A-W-I-S-Z-A, and those are Z's as in Z's, not C's as in, you know, cats. <laughs> All righty, and uh, no Doom Patrol blogs or anything like that? Oh, yeah, yeah, there is a Doom Patrol blog or something, isn't there? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's mygreatestadventure.blogspot.com, mygreatestadventure80.blogspot.com. Wow. Yeah, and that is uh, Doom Patrol blog, and that... Um, ties closely with the waiting for doom podcast i try and put up a post for every episode that those gentlemen release uh those gentlemen being mike garvey and paul hicks hi guys even though it's down under and they probably already heard this all right well doug i hate for you to have to leave but unfortunately it seems to be about that time here's your hat what's your hurry right <laughs> well those promos they huh. I don't schedule them. They demand to be played. Alrighty, sir. So I will play another promo, and I'll be back with listener feedback. Alrighty. Thank you. Thank you. Phew. Another great show wrapped. Sure was. Now, uh, time to move on to our serious business. Time for the monthly team meeting. So Team WFD roll call. Activate. Host, Mike. I'm here, bro. Webmaster Doug. Hey, everybody. Kapow. Tech support Rifty. Huzzah! It is I, Rifty. Ascendian Twitter account Wilfred. And me, other host, Paul. Okay, everyone present. Now let's look at our upcoming schedule because we've got some big things coming up. I think our first order of business should be the new segment. Thoughts? Is the new segment segment about about my triumphant triumphant return return to your world? world? What the f***? Holy sh! Son of a... Who let the candle maker in here? Well, Fred... There are far too many humans on this show. I'm just trying to balance things out. 
Look, I'm so, I'm sorry, Candlemaker. There's nothing really for you in the upcoming episodes. Plus, let's be honest, you you had your 15 minutes. What? How dare you? I'm King Kandor. Yeah, 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 whatever. Look, um, we've got a new segment launching. We've got some guests planned, Jail May 2 to look forward to, not to mention our 100th episode coming up, and we really don't have room for you. I'm sorry. But, 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 what? Uh, what? Uh, fine. fine. Whatever. whatever. You mortals and your show, and your show suck. suck. Oh, yeah? Well, we might suck, but we can still blow you out, just like Dorothy the Ape Face Girl did. Yeah, in your face, King Candle. Oh, ha, ha, very funny. funny. Bye, losers. See you in hell. Man, that guy was a jerk. Waiting for Doom, the world's greatest Doom Patrol podcast. Available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and podbean.com. Welcome back. Guess what? We got an iTunes review just in time for the contest. Jason the Comic Fan gave us a five-star review that says, Perfect Comic Book Podcast. I came across this comic book podcast due to the Golden Age episode, and I love it. Clinton keeps the format short and stays on the topic at hand, covering both the plot of the comic and his analysis of it. His love for the comic books really comes through as he speaks. I enjoy the randomness of the selected comics and being exposed to characters and stories I haven't read before. Thanks, Clinton, for the perfect comic book podcast. Thanks, Clinton, for the comic book. Oh, God. Thanks, Clinton, for the perfect comic book. Thanks, Clinton, for the perfect comic book podcast. Keep up the great work. Well, thanks for the review, Jason. All right. So, as you know, last episode was covering Xenobrood. And boy, did we get some likes and shares and feedback on this one. On Twitter, we had favorites and retweets from Matches Balone, DC OCD, which is a new podcast from the folks who brought you Waiting for Doom, Transform and Rollout, at Decon's Retreat, Professor Frenzy, Shannon Stamey, Carlo Carrasco, Joe Crawford, DC in the 80s, for the non-discerning reader, Weasel Skull, aka Jason Albrick, Chris of Bat Books for Beginners, Randall Andrews of Soundtrack Alley and the Gen 13 Files, Alan Middleton, Laurel Phillips, Trekker Talk, Longbox Crusade, Nathaniel Wayne of the Council of Geeks, thanks again for loaning the sound effect, Longbox of Darkness, Diablo Frank, Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist, Paul Hicks, Jeffrey Brown, Winter Wardlock Pazia, Miracle Man at Kimoda 1977, Christatos, Xenozoic Xenophiles, Tim Price, and Warlord Worlds. On Facebook, we got likes and shares from Recently Knighted, Iowa's Joe Crawford, Kyle, Secretly Really a Dinobot Binning, The Multi-Talented Jerry Green of Bat Books for Beginners, Michael Lane of Comics in the Golden Age Podcast, Alan Middleton of the Relatively Geeky Network, Pat Sampson, 
the Long Box Crusade, Rob Kelly of the Fire and Water Network, Al Sedano, Gene Hendricks of the Hammer Strikes, and Darren and Ruth Sutherland of RAD Adventures. Moving on to the feedback. Boy, howdy, I can't tell you how much I love this feedback. Gregor Ruscio says, It's not often that I encounter a comic I know I've read, but cannot remember a single detail about. Well, Greg, I can understand why with this one. On Twitter, Professor Frenzy, a.k.a. Jerry Green, said, Terrific episode! You didn't pull any punches. Good recap and analysis of the book. Now I know what to do when I see a copy of this series in the quarter bin. Buy coffee. Yeah, that would be the safe bet, Jerry. Professor Allen appeared very grateful for me explaining about, as he puts it, the brood of Xenos. Greg Arusho says, Hey, it's that Zero Hour slash Zero Issue comic I know I picked up, but can't remember a single thing about. Wow, Greg, I guess I put your comment in there twice. We'll just chalk that up to uh, time altering after zero hour. Yeah, yeah, that that's it. Dr. Ange says, I deserve an award for covering Xenobrood. Well, sir, sometimes it's even an honor just to be nominated, but I'll probably buy some polish just in case. On Twitter again, Sean AZ says, Xenobrood? You are a brave and dedicated podcaster to drive... Ugh, go back to that one. On Twitter, Sean AZ, from the Pulp to Pixel Podcast Network, by the way, says, Xenobrood, you are a brave and dedicated podcaster to dive back into that book. I won't put Zero Hour down because it gave a star, man, but, man, Xenobrood was rough. It was fun to hear you try and muster enthusiasm, and then just give in to its awful nature. Well, Sean, I mean, it, it is what it is. And finally, Paul Hicks writes in saying, I couldn't then, I couldn't now. I'm too close to death to waste time reading these. Thanks for confirming my suspicions. Well, again, when you're right, you're right. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm glad I could take that bullet for everybody, I think. Alrighty, so that does not wrap it up. You guys are waiting for an award winner. Somebody who won a little contest. Well, just to let everybody know, in total there were 11 reviews, so that means 11 entries. I typed up those names, randomized them, and then picked a random number from 1 to 11 using the uh, lovely internet. And so, our winner is... Jason the Comic Fan! Guess what, folks? That means getting last-minute entries in sometimes works. Jason, if you will contact me via Twitter or email, 
and let me know your address. I will get that comic sent out to you. Thanks everybody for the reviews and thank you for participating in the contest. So I guess that does about wrap it up this time. I appreciate everybody for coming by, listening to me, uh, listening to Doug and I ramble on about Twi- <laughs> I appreciate everybody coming by and listening to Doug and I ramble on about Triumph. I do want to thank Doug again for stopping by and doing this episode with me. And I hope everybody comes back next time where the comics are never too old and the coffee is never too cold. This has been a Coffee and Comics production. All material referenced herein is copyright the respective owners and is believed covered under fair use. Feedback can be left by emailing coffeeandcomicspodcast at gmail.com, visiting the website at coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com, or on Twitter at coffeecomicsblg.